I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Gail Leedy. She is an ultra runner. She's part of Search and Rescue. She is a former retired professor and a grandmother. So thank you for joining me today. Hey, it should be fun. I completely agree. <laughs> so my first question is, how did you get into running? Okay. Uh, it's, uh, I didn't get started till I was a senior in college. And uh, uh, with Title IX, they finally allowed women to compete. So they wanted to start up a track team at my university and they needed some seniors to kind of balance out the roster of freshmen. And I, um, I didn't run at all. And it took me most of the season to be able to run a mile without stopping and, you know, bending over my knees and trying to get air back in. But that's how I got started. And once I got started, I kind of liked it. So I kept going with it. Wow. What a, what a fascinating introduction into the sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it really was because I was just there to fill the roster. I wasn't supposed to run. Right. And I've, and I've talked to some other women who, who got started around that time of Title IX and, you know, working on trying to get like, a, you know, a track team at their high school or they were in club sports before and then they finally could have that, like, and you're on the, on the opposite end where you were already through high school and now you're jumping right. into to college sports. But I'm sure there were a lot of women in the same predicament who were just like, oh, I can I can do something now. Yeah. Yes. The other seniors and I, we we, uh, we struggled mightily, <laughs> but uh, we, we made it. And it, I went back and told my coach, look what you've done. If you turn me into a real runner. <laughs> How uh, how did he convince you? Like, were you sporty before? Like, did, were you active and, and into doing activities before this? Um, not really. I mean, I, I could have been, but there really weren't any opportunities. And I, uh, I had a misspent youth, really. <laughs> and so... That's so what I also say is that getting started in running and track that senior year, I, I quit smoking and I quit getting drunk all the time. I quit getting high all the time. It was a, this was back in the seventies. Right. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> so it really um, was the beginning of my uh, turnaround to be a much healthier person. Wow. Well, and what was that transition? Like you said, I mean, you were, you were just really trying to, fill out a roster and, and <laughs> trying to learn how to run a mile without stopping. But how did that kind of affect your, your schooling now balancing being on a, on a team as well? Well, I didn't put a whole lot of effort into it okay. to be truthful. <laughs> um, the bare minimum, but I, I, I liked it. So um, then I started, I kept it going after I graduated from college and going on into uh, grad school. I switched to bicycle racing for uh, several years, and I didn't get back into running until my son was old enough to run with me. So. Oh, wow. So how, how old would you have been then? 
um, uh, would have been about 30, late 30s. And okay. my son, when he was about eight or nine, he started running cross country for a little kid's team. And the parents would go out and instead of standing around talking, we'd go run too. So uh, <laughs> he got me going again. That's that's awesome. I have uh, a couple of years ago, we uh, my team, the uh, parents had a shirt that said um, from the Booster Club, they put it out cross country, the only sport where the parents have to be in shape too. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty amazing that you kind of were able to bond with him over that running and that he got you kind of back into it. Yeah. And he was much faster than I was, but that's fine too. <laughs> How long did he keep it up? Did he, uh, is no, he, he still... No, he only did it through high school, and then he quit. And he, he's been pretty busy uh, getting his, his career going. But he now has three sons who are all three running cross country for middle school and high school this year. So I take so, the grandkids out and make flog them a little bit too <laughs> when we're together. Well, now he's got to learn to get in shape for cross country. <laughs> yeah, he should, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty amazing. That's that's uh, that's I, I I love kind of hearing kind of the generational like arc and people continuing it. Um, whether you know they're picking it up from their parents or they're picking it up later in life or grandparents or whatever, it's just uh, it's just kind of cool because it's it's such a healthy thing that you know you can continue throughout your life. Yeah, yeah. At any stage, hopefully even next year, hopefully. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when you finished college and, and were, you know, going through struggling to get a mile and, and then you kind of did the biking for a while, uh, you know, did you ever start doing any any 5Ks or anything? Or were you just kind of running for fun at the time? I only ran, <clears throat> I only ran what was too cold to ride my bike at that point. <laughs> I was living in Ohio, okay. so that was a long, you know, several months of the year I would end up running. And then um, I, I didn't do a 5K until I think, God, I think my son was with me for that. And all of us, yeah, it was kind of weird because he won his age group, I won mine. And it was, whoa, how about <laughs> that? That's pretty cool. Wow. I, I got to know, how cold does it have to be where it's too cold for for a bike, but warm enough that you can still run? <laughs> well, if there's ice on the road, I'm not going to ride the bike. Okay. <laughs> there is a lot of ice in Ohio. That's that's what I, I hear. We don't get, well, I mean, we get plenty here, but not, I don't think as much as Ohio. Yeah, no, it was not good, so... <laughs> So when did you start kind of, you know, after, you know, kind of running with your son, when did you start, I guess, moving into ultra marathons? Like, when did that kind of come into your radar? I didn't do that. I did my first marathon when I was in my late 30s. So my son was there to watch that. And then um, just kind of piddled around doing a marathon or two a year. And I didn't do my first, uh, I did my first 50K in 2001. I'd moved to Wyoming and um, it was like the thing to do where I was living. So I said, okay, let's, let, if I do 26, I can do 31. Let's give it a shot. And 
yeah, if I can do 31, I can do 50. And if I can do 50, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. That is what I hear from people that have gone into it. It's just, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, it just seems like, now that's a long. And then when, once you start doing it, then it's like, hey, it's not that bad. And then you start going down the other side, and now it is that bad. I really do believe it is that bad. So I think my days of 100 milers is over. <laughs> but 50 milers are still okay? Yeah, they're still in the book. I haven't done one for a couple of years because of COVID, and right. this summer has not been a good summer. So, yeah. <laughs> but I have hopes for next year. So. Well, that's good. So no, uh, no Mount Taylor, no 50K this year? Um, I'm a volunteer for Mount Taylor. Okay. I ran it. I ran it five years in a row, and I promised them if I do it five years, uh, you get a little special um, award for five years in a row. And I said after I get that, then I'll I'll be a volunteer for you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I always need. I, I know these ultras always need good people out there helping out. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun to volunteer, and so I, I try to volunteer for at least a couple races. Mount Taylor this year and uh, Cedro Peak. I'll be the, I am the volunteer coordinator for that. <clears throat> so I've been out um, making sure that course is ready to go too. So. Oh, wow. What, what goes into making sure that the course is ready? Well, they, um, where these trails are, the Forest Service keeps going in and changing them. <laughs> so if you have the course set up from last year and you go out and you go, okay, well, where's that trail? It's not here anymore. It's all blocked off. So you have to figure out, okay, we're going to have to go up this way and back and around. Oh my goodness. That adds a mile, just a bonus mile. Everybody will be happy to get a bonus mile. <laughs> Until they're on it, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they're not so happy. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask, is that, is that where we get the 50 K ish or 50 miler ish? Yeah. Yes. Because you, you, you ha it, it all looks good on paper. <laughs> But when you really get out there and you find out that things have moved around a bit, it's a little different. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I'm sure you've got to mark it so people don't take the oh. the wrong trail. Right. Yes. Heavily mark it because people, and still people do. So you have to try and get into somebody's head. How could they possibly miss this turn? And you put logs over the other route, you do all kinds of things and they still go the wrong way. So it's always, it's fun. That's where search and rescue comes in. <laughs> and I want to get to the search and rescue, but I will say I, I did, uh, I did one, um, the Endurance Santa Fe as a relay and so I only had to do 12 to 13-ish miles, um, which I thoroughly died on because I had no idea what I was getting into. And uh, there was a point where, I mean, I was dying. I was just completely dead. I was just staring at my feet. And some people I had passed along the way who had already repassed me were now passing me again. <laughs> right. I, I, for a second, I thought I was hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, how did you not take the other path? I'm like, I didn't see another path. <laughs> yeah. And right. And, and I think I even know where you're talking about because um, there are these new mapping um, apps that you can have on your phone. 
and he had that app on the map. Yes. And I checked it, and I made the right turn, and a bunch of other people didn't. So, <laughs> then that is probably yeah, that's probably where it was. I know I was, I was ill prepared for all I could think was that's thirteen miles. That's not so bad. That course is a bear. And and I had I had the third leg, so um, it was uh, it was the heat of the day, and it was the leading it, w it was a lot of uphill i will say that <laughs> it's tough but i had fun i did i really did have fun with it <laughs> and, and people to share it with yes exactly like that that part was was fantastic i mean I, and i've talked about this before on here just i've done plenty of road races and you know, I know a decent amount of people at the road races and, and chatting with them before and chatting with them after. Mm -hmm. But it is completely different when you're in the middle of the mountains and these people next to you who are hurting probably as bad as you or more. And they're checking on you to make sure, are you okay? Do you need water? Do you need gummies? Do you need fuel? Do you need this? Do you, need, you know, like it, it was so helpful and such an amazing group of people it's a good community i like it i it, road racing is fun too but um it's a different it's almost a different sport out there on the trails yeah. i i i think so plus i think you guys get better food too on the trails oh we get great food <laughs> what is what is your go-to uh fuel um, you know, it depends on how long the race is, but I try to start out with, uh, you know, just a few snacks, chips and Coke and that sort of thing. And then I move into peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or avocado and cheese roll ups or whatever. And then at some point I usually have to just fall back to the goos and the gels and, and anything that will work at that <laughs> point. But after about 50 miles, it's just, you got to be gentle to your stomach and, and keep the calories going in and not coming back out. <laughs> well, that makes sense, the gels, because you can just kind of squeeze them on in. Right. And if you have a pacer, they'll say, just go ahead, just suck it down real fast. Get it over with. And I'm like, okay, I can do one more gel. <laughs> That's kind of the pacer's job is to make sure you keep keep some fuel in you. Right. So what was that that very first ultra run that you did in Wyoming? What was that like? Uh, that was a big horn, and I did just a 50K. It was, um, it was really quite beautiful. But it started, they bust you out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and, and I'm looking around thinking, okay, I wonder which way we're going to go. And to my surprise, we pointed directly towards this monster hill to start with. And I'm like, oh, my God, I am way out of my league here because <laughs> I was pretty new. I, I'd moved there from Kansas. So this was a whole different um, elevation for me. But I <laughs> learned real fast that you just walk up it and then run when you can. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, like... <laughs> you had done some marathons you know you probably had that mentality of got to keep on moving got to keep on right. running and then 
now you've got staring at this hill and you know who knows what else beyond it <laughs> right right so it um, i learned very quickly to, <laughs> to go ahead it's okay to walk it's okay to walk and how was your fueling for that one uh, i think i just had a couple of um you know a couple handful of potato chips and watermelon Ooh, watermelon that's right. one of my favorites <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, that that sounds, I mean, it sounds like a great first race. You know, it was. Uh, it, it was really good. It's, it's a small town. You finish up, you, you run through some magnificent mountains, and then you finish up in this little town of Dayton, Wyoming, and you run into the park, and you run a little loop around the park, and everybody who's finished before you, and every, it's just full and they're all yelling and screaming and and then it's just a big picnic afterwards so it's a really one of my favorite ever races so i picked a good one to start with and then i went back and did the 50 miler and um, it was even better (laughs) (laughs) that's that's you had the bug (laughs) i did i did and that's a, it's just a great community. I like the kind of races um, that are done by small communities as fundraisers and the whole community gets into it. Uh, it's a fundraiser for the, uh, <laughs> for search and rescue oh. there. <laughs> and, uh, but when I did the, the first year I tried the hundred there, I didn't do very well. I got sick early, early on. And, um, got to about 30 miles and it was already nighttime because it starts later in the day. It, it was a very miserable experience. And this guy kept coming over to me and saying, are you, are you okay? And as I'm sitting there around the fire and I said, no, I, I really am not okay. And he says, well, that's okay because uh, we got horses here and we'll carry you out on horseback, but uh, it's better when you die, you're bent over so we can put you over the saddle and it'll be easier to haul your body out. <laughs> so it's that kind of humor. Um, they said, don't worry about it, man. If you die here, you're good coyote bait. <laughs> and I, that was, <laughs> I had to go back and finish that race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they do bring stuff in on horseback. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How do you how do you get through the nights on the on the long run like that? Like that just seems like that might be the hardest part. That's it's pretty hard. Um, I always have a pacer uh, through the nighttime. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm a fairly brave person, but I'm not. I can get very unbrave when it's very dark and there are mountain lions or moose <laughs> or whatever out there spooking me. So I like to have a pacer and it's really the pacer's job to, hey, are you still awake? Yeah, yeah, I'm awake. <laughs> do, you, do you think maybe you could run a few steps here? Yeah, yeah, I can run a few steps. And, and that's, it's, I don't think I could do it without a pacer. So, Who do you, yeah. do you, do you have go-to pacers or, or is it just whoever's available? I've had some wonderful pacers. Yeah, some friends of mine from, uh, from well from here now from new mexico but also some people from uh wyoming who will still come out and pace me and and it's been great experience and i i pace other people too so i i turn 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 around as fair play or whatever yeah 
I pace others. I've paced quite a few people to get them through that nighttime too. That's great. And I, I hear pacing can be just as much fun. It can be a blast. It can be a whole lot more fun to tell you the truth. Uh, but it's also very tiring because you do have to take full responsibility for that person and keep them awake, keep them eating, keep them on the trail. I think the, the scariest one for me was I paced somebody at Hard Rock at night and they put very, very few course markers out there. And you can go for a long time without seeing a marker. And it's like, oh my God, have I taken this poor woman way off course? Because I haven't seen anything for you know half an hour. So um, pretty, um, it, the responsibility wears on you a bit. I'm so, sure yeah. that does sound like when it's just you, it's you know it's on you. But when you're you know taking care of someone else, yeah, that sounds like a little uh, uh, nerve wracking, I guess. It is. It's a you're part parent, part coach, part physical therapist, new dietitian, um, inspirational speaker. You, you play all those different roles out there. Wow. Well, you seem like you would be good at it. <laughs> I've had fun. I've had a lot of fun. So you've been doing this now. I mean, obviously this last year there wasn't much, much going on, but, you know, since 2001, that's, you know, we're getting to almost two decades of it <laughs> how uh how has it changed over those years that you've kind of noticed well i think the thing that i have no noticed the most is the influx of commercial races that are put on um, to support people financially and those are really very well run. I mean, the ones I've done have been great. These people know what they're doing. They have great courses, great support. But the the little, the smaller runs that were there just as fundraisers put on by the local club, they're, they're going by the wayside. And I miss that a lot. Um, they're still there. There's still plenty of them. But the big money makers are are becoming very popular. I, I heard something uh, about that um, because there, I, I think one of the bigger kind of groups doing it is trying to make it almost like a series. And so you earn points by doing these certain major ones and because of the way they're spread out. And obviously, I mean, it takes a lot out of you. So... Right. Um, some of these smaller ones have a hard time because people want to get this like, oh, I, I did this well-known thing. I'm this points or I'm that. And um, I can see how that could be a little difficult to uh, to attract people when you're, you know, just out there for, I don't want to say just for fun. I mean, you're fundraising for other things, but not as well-known, I guess. Yeah. So we have some great ones around here. Mount Taylor, for instance. Um, there's a whole series on the Navajo reservation that I really like, and all the money goes right back into the um, for the Navajo people, for the Navajo children. Um, and I try to find I try to find those and do those whenever whenever I can. You know, if there if I have a choice between a big, uh, well-known race and a smaller one that's going to be put on by a club and the money goes back into that community, I'm going to do that one. 
I like that. <laughs> Old school. Yeah. <laughs> Are you still, um, during this time, have you still done some, some road races and stuff, or have you stuck mostly to the trails? I try to do at least one road race a year. I usually get in a couple 5Ks, um, and I usually get in a marathon every year, but oh, wow. I haven't. It's been two years Two years since I've done a, a marathon. I did that one with my daughter-in-law, and that was a kick. Oh, it wow. was her first one, so it was a lot of fun. Which one did you guys do? It was the in the. It was at Roanoke, Virginia, oh. and it was really hilly. It had over four thousand feet of climbing in it, but it was on road. So wow, <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was fun. <laughs> so. That sounds right up your alley. <laughs> it was. It was. I think. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Uh, how did you get into search and rescue? Well, I tell the story. Uh, when I first moved to Wyoming, I was out on this run. It was supposed to be five miles. And I was supposed to be looping around and taking this one little detour and then meeting up with my son. And I took this one little detour, but I didn't make the loop back around. So about 10 miles into it, I am... <laughs> Very, very lost. And uh, I, I've tried backtracking. I've tried lots of different things to get back to where I was. And I couldn't do it. And I just kept on this one trail. And finally, I heard horses. And I said, ah, horses. Usually, if you hear horses, they're around people. Because they usually don't make a lot of noise if they're just by themselves. So I followed the noise of the horses and I come out of this great big parking area and there are like 50 people there with horses and ATVs and all kinds of stuff. And I asked them, you know, how do I get back to this Happy Jack trailhead? And the guy starts laughing at me and I didn't really think it was very funny at that point. <laughs> but I found out that it was a three county uh, search and rescue training weekend and so they had all these people there as all search and rescue so that when they found out i really was lost they were all fighting over who got to rescue me <laughs> i got food i got water i got a drive a ride back i had my temperature taken blood pressure <laughs> the whole shebang <laughs> so. It was a great training day for them. <laughs> yes, they actually got to find somebody. <laughs> so it was, it, that was fun. And then I was kind of intrigued by it, and I kind of let it go until I moved here. And uh, Cliff Matthews, who is a legend around this part, um, a trail runner, he was in Search and Rescue, and I met him, and he said, you know, we could really use somebody like you in Search and Rescue. So he got me started, and I started doing it. <laughs> that is that is an amazing story i mean what a day to get lost <laughs> it really it was great because and if they hadn't been there i don't well i would have been on a road but it would have been taking that road back would have been a good 15 miles rather than so yes. and they gave me quite the lecture too <laughs> you're not in kansas anymore you're in wyoming you better figure this out you better be prepared. That one little bottle of water isn't going to do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I have to imagine you must have been a, a little uh, scared there for a while. 
Uh, I, yeah, I was because mainly my son was still out there someplace. Right. He was back at the parking lot and they were waiting for me. So Wait, did he, uh, had he started to worry? <laughs> um, he knew me well enough. <laughs> <laughs> He was in college by that time. He was pretty laid back. Yeah, she'll be back sometime. She does this sort of thing. <laughs> How long do you think he would have just waited there? Well, since I had the keys to the car. <laughs> and we didn't have cell phone. So, yeah, um, yeah he was going to wait a while. Wow. Wow. So what does it entail to, I guess, get into search and rescue? Um, so there are lots of different aspects to it. There's the mounted, if you're into horses. There's canines, um, ATVs, drones. Um, what else? Oh, even water rescue and the alpine rescue, the, the mountain folks. But I'm just a plain old ground pounder, which means I have no special skills. Um, I'm just good for going out and bushwhacking and <laughs> calling out somebody's name and hoping they respond sooner or later. See, I work, um, well, we all volunteer. There's only one paid person in the whole state. Oh, but, wow. And we've got hundreds of volunteers. And I'm with Cibalasar Search and Rescue here in Albuquerque. And they are really good about training you up. You learn how to navigate. You learn how to read maps. You learn how different search techniques. And uh, one of the other big things you learn how to do is, is package somebody up in a litter. If somebody can't walk back out, you, it takes, uh, takes a big team to get somebody out of a wilderness area on a litter and a stretcher basically has a great big wheel in the middle and you roll it along and uh, it's hard work. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Uh, wow. And so do you, do you train like practicing on that a, a little bit as well? Yes. Yeah. We, uh, we have to train, go to at least two trainings every six months and you have to attend at least one mission every six months to be an active member. But uh, most of us train a lot more than that. We end up taking uh, first aid, wilderness first aid, um, communications, learning how to use your radio, nighttime searches. And I just finished a really great course on lost person behavior. Oh, wow. And that was fun. That was fun. We even talked about um, what to do, specific techniques for finding lost runners. So. <laughs> That sounds helpful for trail running. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a whole lot of data on it. It's pretty funny because they average or the usual distance that you're going to find them is four miles away. And I'm thinking, you guys don't know these runners. <laughs> four miles is nothing. So no, they, they need more data on that. Wow, wow, that's fascinating. It's it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun. It it. Oh. <laughs> It sounds like it goes kind of hand in hand, you know, I joked about it, but it, it really does sound like it goes hand in hand with trail running because you're you're out there for so long on your feet, you know, when you are practicing or on these races, like, it seems like you're almost built for this. Right. And that's true. They love the ultra runners on the team because we can go and you know, they give us a, 
um, eight mile, I mean, an eight hour assignment. And we'll go out. We've got our food with us. We've got, you know, carry a pack that's around 30 pounds. By the time you have all your extra clothes, extra gear, um, extra food and clothes to give to the person if you find them and they need it. So first aid. um, And you're out there, uh, usually teams of two to four people. And you you get your assignment, you just go and you stay out until you finish your assignment. And it gets pretty hard sometimes. You get pretty tired. I'm sure. But that's... That's so fascinating to me. (laughs) We get called out. I think we've had in New Mexico over 80 missions so far this year. And that's most of, a lot of them are around here in the San Diego's we get a lot. Is that up or down from previous years, do you know? Um, Last year was crazy. With the pandemic, no, nobody could do anything, and they all decided they were going to go out and hike the the Crest Trail. That's what um, I was curious about. Oh, yeah, it was insane. <laughs> we would get three in one day, and it was like, I mean, at some point you go, "Nah, I'm not going back out." <laughs> Let them figure. There, there is no magic bus. You're going to have to walk out yourselves, guys. <laughs> I'm not coming out there for you. No. Well, I mean, I, I mean, unless they're injured, right? I mean, that you're you're basically going to have them walk out anyway, right? Yes, a lot of times they get caught out after dark. Um, and so, if you know where they are, if they've got cell phone coverage, you don't do so much searching, but you do a lot more rescuing. Um, if they don't have it, <clears throat> there are a lot of places with no cell phone coverage, so you you really do have to go out and find them and figure out, well, they were supposed to be on this trail, how they went up in Budo, no, in Budito, and they were supposed to come down three guns. Well, somehow they ended up on the Crest Trail, and you would never think to look there until you've exhausted every other possibility. And then you just keep going farther and farther out until you find them. Wow. And obviously, sometimes you don't find them. And that's the sad one. Now, did you ever... um out looking for for someone who was lost and run into somebody else who was lost? (laughs) (laughs) No, not yet. (laughs) I'm sure it can happen. (laughs) It it seems, I mean, like you said, I mean, last year, just me and my family were, I mean, that's that's all we could do. And we love hiking. So, you know, we'd go out and we had to stop going to this side of the mountain, to the foothills, because it was just, it was too crowded. Right. Yeah, right. we we're trying to stay away from people, so I was like, <laughs> "We're gonna go to the other side." Go to yeah, go to the East Mountains, <clears throat> and and the other thing I do is I I've been training my dog for search and rescue. And, and what does that entail? Well, there there are basically three types of dogs for search and rescue. One of them is. Um, what we call air scent dog. And that's a dog that you just go out and you say, go find anybody you can. And the dog will just zigzag back and forth and back and forth until they catch human odor. And then they zero in on that human odor. And it could be another searcher. It could be somebody that's not lost, but it could be the person you're looking for. Um, And especially if you're out in some, like the Valle Caldera, some places there where you have to, 
uh, cover a lot of ground and there aren't that many trails and people can be off trail. Um, so that that's one. Um, the type, another type of dog would be a, a cadaver dog. And I try to avoid that. It's just not my thing. Um, I get that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely will go out as field support for somebody who does have a cadaver dog. Uh, because, you know, if somebody goes out and they've been out three days, you still want to find them or four days or five days. You always want to bring them home. Um, so you will go out and, and search, but I don't want to train my dog on, on that. It's just <laughs> not what I want to do. Um, and then the third type is what I'm doing is called trailing. And that one, um, you have to give the person something that smells like that person. So you take a dirty sock, a dirty hat, a dirty shirt, or if you can't do that, you even let them smell the inside of their car if you can, or whatever you can get your hands on that's going to smell like that person. And you give them that scent and then tell them to go find that that person. And they will follow, not right directly on the footsteps that the person has taken, but they will follow that person's scent for miles Wow. until they locate them. So they will ignore everybody else in the area. They get that scent and that's what they're going to go for. And um, just started training my one dog. I had one dog that was almost trained up, but um, she had an unfortunate end this summer. Wow. So now I'm training another one and she's only 11 months old, but she's getting, getting the hang of it. Yeah. And that one's fun. I, I got to imagine that takes a little bit of time to train it, them for that. It takes a lot of time. You train them two or three times a week. You have to find people all the time. You have to look for people who will go out and hide for you. <laughs> hey, can you go get lost for a little bit? You don't have to go very far. My dog's pretty new at it. Quarter mile down this way, take two turns and, and uh, hunker down and act like you're not moving. <laughs> See if my dog can find you. I mean, you, there's probably no shortage of parents who've been cooped up with their uh, kids for too long that would be happy to do that. <laughs> yeah, I use Val's kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's pretty fun. Um, yeah. And the dog does the work for you. You just, uh, you just have to hang around behind them and keep up with them. And that can be challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, like, I have a lab, and, I mean, she's just got a ton of energy. So, I mean, if, if I were to just let her go, she'd be gone. But she also doesn't like leaving us behind. So she'll run off and then come back to us and then run off and come back to us. <laughs> right. They put on a lot of miles that way. Yeah. But I have to keep my dog in shape, too, so she runs with me. And, and when we're training or doing a trail uh, for a lost person, they're on leash for that. So uh, you want nice, constant pressure, but you don't want to hold them back. And right. They, so you've got to run to keep up with them a lot of times. So. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, I mean again, I'm, like I said before, I mean, it sounds like it goes a lot <laughs> hand in hand with your... Yeah. Right. ultra training anyway and now you're just you're just adding your dog to it right. <laughs> but it's it's fun yeah well not and i was going to say obviously for for a great cause too so right right 
So that that's uh, that's fascinating. That is so so cool. Like that just I don't have any other time in my life. But that's <laughs> it sounds like just something that would be um, yeah. I rewarding. pretty much had to. Yes, it's very rewarding. I pretty much had to uh, to retire before I had the time to spend yeah. with this. Let's. I guess let's go back into in into that then. Your your work as a professor is that like? Did you know that you wanted to be a professor? Did you know you wanted to be in academia, or how did that come about? Um. Well. Not really. I came to my senior year in college and a psychology major, and I said, I've got to do something. I really don't want to work, so let's go on to grad school. <laughs> and once I got into grad school, um, I really, then I never left academics, except for two years where I was not in academics. And I loved it. I loved always learning new stuff. I liked the research a lot. Teachings, okay, <laughs> but I really like the research. And I, I did a lot of very different types of research. And one of the things, because I was a runner, is I got interested in doing research on runners. And I have a couple of studies published on that. About um, One of them was a large study where I asked a lot of people questions about their anxiety level and depression. And I had five runners that were doing 5Ks, half marathon and marathons and the happiest people were the marathoners so wow yeah they yeah, had the 5kers or maybe it was i don't know but they they had they um reported higher levels of anxiety than the longer distance and the more years that a person has run the happier they were too I was kind of going after this idea, this was back a few years, where people were talking about running as an addiction. Hmm. And I really hate that. It is not an addiction. Uh, there are some people who run very compulsively. They, they have to run every day. They, they start streaking and they can't break the streak. Or they think if they keep running more, and they're definitely some people who run too much. I mean, they, but it's usually self-limiting because if you run too much, you're going to get injured and then you have to quit. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to show that it really wasn't um, a negative thing. And a lot of people, I think some of the authors were um, upset spouses. They were tired of their spouse going out every Saturday and Sunday and running half the day. <laughs> they were very negative about running. And then I did another study. It was only with five women, but I interviewed them for a long time and talked to them quite a bit about how they have used running to help them through a time of personal crisis. And that was fascinating because I thought I was going to come up with some something that was um, consistent across the different runners. And these five women all have very, five very different ways of using running to help them. And that, that was really cool. That is kind of cool. Uh, I had a woman on last year that I talked to uh, who was just a recreational runner. And she did some races here and there. Uh, but she had talked about that. Like she had gone into it because of a, of a bad breakup. And right. 
it, it really kind of helped her manage all of that. Right. So it's something you can do. Um, there's a little scale that people take a lot of times called profile of mood states. If you take it before you go for a run and after you go for a run, almost everybody is happier after they run. And, and for me, a lot of times that's because I've gotten that out of the way and I don't have to worry about it anymore <laughs> during the day. But you can do get a you get a feeling of satisfaction and that's good. Uh, you get healthier and that's good. But just to be able to go out, some people did it very much for the social aspect. Some one woman did it. Um, she was just very very angry about something that had happened, and she would go out and just pound and pound and pound, and then that is what helped her. After so many miles, she could come home and then be a lot more relaxed. Uh, but and the other aspect, the one woman I thought was really fascinating is she talked about it works until it doesn't. And I really think that's a very important thing too. She would hit a point of, de of depression in her own life where she said, I can't put my shoes on and go out. I know if I could, I would feel better, but I can't. The depression really takes over sometimes and it's not enough. And that's the time when you do need to get some extra help. Uh, whether it be medications or therapy or both, but you've got to be able to get out the door. And if the depression sets in too strong, you can't do that. So right. that was a very important message, I thought. Wow, that's fascinating. Have you ever wanted to do that at a lar on a larger scale? I Yes, I would like to, but, <laughs> but I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And along that same, you know, I, I can get carried away with this, but along the same line, I also did research with rats. And I know not everybody likes animal research, but I had female rats and they were living in a kind of stressful environment with male rats. <laughs> it was kind of crowded and the male rats were always looking for love and the females really didn't want that. And um, I thought, okay, so I'll take these rats out once a day and let them put them in a running wheel. And I have my control rats too. And I put the control rats in and they would run and run. I put the rats in that were in the stressful situation and they just laid in the running wheel. And I realized, again, if your life is so stressful, running isn't gonna do it. You've yeah. got to be able to have enough energy that sometimes all you need is quiet too. And I think that was a really, yeah, again, I'm a social worker, <laughs> but I think that it's a good message that running will help, but not if things are too bad. And the first thing to do is always try to get out of oppressive or really bad situations. Don't try to run your way out of that. So that's my sermon for the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it. I think it's fascinating and I think I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, runners come in from all sorts of backgrounds and, and all sorts of abilities. But I think, uh, you know, and especially in the social work and kind of seeing how runners kind of interact and, and thinking about that, I, I find I find fascinating. <laughs> right. And we talked a little bit about community before and, and mm -hmm. There is a wonderful community of runners, road racers, 
just recreational runners, trail runners, and you can get so much support from that. And one of the things, one of the more recent movements now is trying to increase the diversity, trying to get people from different backgrounds, different races, different ethnic groups, uh, both genders or all genders, I should say, any gender, um, <laughs> to go out there and run. And again, if, if you're fighting, if you're struggling um, to put food on the table or to deal with what's going on at work, et cetera, it's not going to work. We got to have a better society to begin with. And I'm still preaching, but <laughs> I, I, I'm all, I'm all on board with you with it. I'm, I mean, I, I'm an educator. I, I'm third grade, but I am very much, I, 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 I love everything you're saying. I'm all on board. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm lucky. I am very lucky. I've got a body that can run. I've had time. I've had the type of job where I could go out and run. And I'm, I know that I'm lucky. Uh, I'm fortunate. And I've had, I had so many wonderful friends and experiences. And I've gone places that other people can only dream of. So yeah. That's... When you, you mentioned about, you know, trying to diversify the sport and stuff. And, and I've heard a lot of it, you know, along the lines of in, in the ultra running world. But, you know, even road racing, marathons and that. It's, it's, um, you know, I've, I've lived in New Mexico basically my entire life. And so for me, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I've, I, I, I see diversity here, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, maybe not to the level it should be uh, for all the reasons that you spoke of, but it is fascinating. You know, when I have gone outside and, and I kind of look around, I'm like, oh, there's not as many people that look like me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's fun to go to a race on the Navajo Nation and find out that, wow, I'm, I'm really the minority here. It's great to see to that. Uh, I, I used to live in North Carolina, and I can tell you that was all white field <laughs> out there. There is no diversity in the running world. Yeah. That's, that's, again, that's just sad because there's, like, I mean, the benefits – if, if everything else is, is in the right conditions can be so good. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you, you've touched on this a little bit. So I just, I'm curious. You, you talked about schooling in Ohio. You talked about North Carolina. You talked about Wyoming. You're here in New Mexico. How many places have you lived? <laughs> I started in Ohio, went to New Orleans for oh. grad school, and then California, back to Ohio and then Kansas, Wyoming, North Carolina, New Mexico. I don't get along with people. <laughs> After about five years, they kicked me out of the state and I have to move on. <laughs> I think the worst place for me ever was North Carolina. And I was, I could not make friends there. You know, I, I kind of joke about it. And there were some runners but I just couldn't, they were not open to new people coming in. So I only lasted there about three years. And then when I moved here, I said, I'm not going to let that happen. And I started a meetup group for trail runners. And I met a ton of people. Most people didn't come out to that many of the runs, but I met so many people. And I actually got a lot of people into trail running by doing that. And I have... Um, 
probably my best friends here in in New Mexico. I met through that uh, meetup group. That's awesome. I well, I mean, I I think the the running community here is is amazing. It, it is. There's something for everybody here. Exactly. I mean, you. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different groups. There's so many different. If you don't want a group, there's other. There's other people out there. Like it's just, it's, how? Yeah, I, I, I I think you know if you're looking for a group, you can. You just got to look because you're going to find one. (laughs) You'll you'll find them, right? Or we have the the ready-made groups here in Albuquerque, but I've met people from Alamogordo and. Maria Dosa, Cloudcroft, Las Cruces, Grant, all over the state. And I feel very, very fortunate to be able to go just about any place in the state and, and know somebody. Yeah. Or, or they know somebody that you know through the community. Right. Like, yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a small community in the sense of that, but it, but it is a, a rather large and spread out community. And it's, um, it's fantastic. It's a good place. <laughs> I'm sticking here. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Does that mean yes. you're going <laughs> to? The plan is to to stay in New Mexico. I like it. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you. <laughs> it's it's a fun place. You talked about you know your son um, being a runner and not continuing, but he's got you know kids kids running. Are they here in the state or where are they at? They're in New York. Okay. So last fall during the pandemic, I, well, during the, we're still in the pandemic, (laughs) but during the worst of it, when they were having to do school online, I went out to New York for three months and helped, helped take care of them. Um, And I did some fantastic running out there too. I, they were in school a couple days a week and then they were home three days a week. So in the days when they were, in school, I would take off and explore different trails, the Catskills, and wow. several different areas, and that was fun too. And I, I never met anybody there, but I mean that. God, I can't imagine how many trails you've run on. <laughs> Me neither. I'm, there are so many, and people talk about, well, this trail, you know, do you remember the rock? And I'm like, I have run on so many trails and so many rocks. Remember that mountain? I have done so many. <laughs> and again, I'm just really, really lucky that I've been able to do that. And I can still do it. Yeah. Even at my age, I can still <laughs> do it. Well, and I think, you know, I, I think, and I don't want to, you know, necessarily get into your exact age, but obviously you have a grown child and you have grandchildren who are (laughs) old enough to be running on teams. Uh, But I I think it's, uh, you know, it's an inspiration to, to watch people continue this as long as they can and, and be able to... Um, you know, whether through a little bit of luck and a, a little bit of conditioning, you know, stay healthy enough to continue to do these things because it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's its its just amazing to see. <laughs> it's fun. And, and you know, I, I'll have younger runners come up to me and say, you're such an inspiration. I'm like, why? <laughs> oh, 
it's because you think I'm old, but that's okay. If I can inspire them, I don't care. It's cool. Or I always want to come back. Wow, I want to be like you when I grow up. And I look at him and say, why wait? <laughs> Go ahead and train now. Do it. <laughs> but it's, it's, I am older. I'm, I'm the oldest woman to complete some races, and that's cool. And I'll keep doing it. I, I love that. I love that attitude. And obviously, it hasn't destroyed your knees over the years. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's funny you say that because I, I do have a knee problem right now, but it wasn't from running. It's because my dog slammed into my knee. Oh. So, and I'm recovering very nicely. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're active, because you keep it going. Yes. You keep, that's, yeah. yeah. That's... I'll be running uh, Bull of the Woods this Saturday. Okay. But I'll have to do the half marathon instead of the marathon because I've been uh, off running for a while. So yeah, well, that's that's still a. Uh, I mean, any any mileage coming off of any injury can be pretty amazing. Yeah, it's fun. That's great. Is there any? You talked about your hundred miler. You know, days are done. But is there any uh, race you're kind of looking forward to in the future? Going back to. Um. Yes. This year, I was signed up for the San Juan Solstice, which is a 50-miler up in Lake City, Colorado. It is really a tough, hard course, and I really would like to be able to finish that one more time. I may not be able to, and that's that's okay. And the other one would be going back to the Bighorn and do that 50-miler again, because it is just fantastic. I love that race. Those are the ones I would really like to do again. And I'm sure there's something out there that I haven't even seen before that I'd like to do for the first time. <laughs> there's this one I saw, the Lama Palooza. <laughs> it's down by Alamogordo, and it's a four-mile loop. They call it the Llama Loop. I'm not sure what that's about yet, but it's a 12-hour race. Oh. And you see how many loops you can do in 12 hours. That sounds like a blast. I, so I, I, I will say those looped courses timed have, have started to intrigue me a little bit. <laughs> so you'd be willing to try one sometime, maybe? I, I, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Has to line up on the right time, but right. I, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm actually very interested in those. Could be fun. Yeah. Could be a big party. Well, it's just like, well, I can't, I mean, it, 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 it gets in my head, like 50 miles seems like that's a lot. But when mm-hmm. I th- think about a loop, I'm like I can do four miles. I mean, I can do eight miles. Yeah, I can do 12. And then it's like, you know, and then just kind of like, well, I mean. <laughs> yep, it's that slippery slope again. Exactly. <laughs> so how many times can you do it in 12 right. hours? So. <laughs> How many times do you get that little reward, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I, I, and I don't normally like those little loops, but that one just sounds like too much fun. So. There there was one that was done here out near Hemis, um, and I forget what it was called. Uh, but it, it was the same, It was a it was a loop, and it was... I think a six mile loop maybe um but it was a very similar setup um and and that i 
It just didn't line up because I, I was considering it for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So many choices uh, now. Well, yes. Last last year there were none. So. <laughs> right. That's the yeah. It's it's exciting to kind of see these things come back. Yeah. So. Wow. I uh, I have really enjoyed talking to you. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Great. I mean, I've had fun. I had a chance to preach a little bit, and uh, I, I like it. I mean, I enjoyed it. So, <laughs> um, but I, I think this is a great, a great spot to to wrap up. Uh, I just I have one more question for you, and it's the same question I ask anybody. You know, what do you listen to to kind of get you up, get you motivated, get you out for that that long run with the dog in the mountains? So I never listen to music while I'm running, but if I had to choose something, um, if I'm sitting around, it would be oldies, old rock and roll. Nice. Like sixties, seventies, seventies. All right. It takes me back to my college days when I tried to run around that track. <laughs> <laughs> Some Led Zeppelin. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh. That's always um, good. <laughs> Rolling Stones would do it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, this was this was a lot of fun. I, 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 you've had an amazing career so far, and I cannot wait to to see where it continues to go. And hopefully, I'll run out to you on run into you out on one of the trails here soon. That would be great. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, I'm I'm pretty good. I'll be going out in a couple of weeks to watch the three grandsons. They're all three running on the same cross country. Well, two on the middle school and one on the high school team. Go out and watch them and support them. So that's that's fun. I really appreciated being able to talk with you. It's been great. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at Mexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.